Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We hope this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. This morning, I'm going to be uh, reading uh, out of the uh, Gospel of Matthew in just a minute, Matthew 9, John 13, Luke chapter 9 in a few minutes if you want to uh, prepare uh, for that. And then we're going to be doing communion at the very end of the service and we'll take that. Uh, take that together and I'll lead you through that. Let me say too, uh, we are a church that practices open communion. You don't have to be a member here. If you're a follower of Jesus and want to participate with us, you are more than welcome to and make yourself uh, uh, the emblems available to you uh, in the foyer. Uh, I'm concluding a series this morning that I started six weeks ago called Follow Me, Exploring Uh, The meaning, excuse me, of Jesus' invitation, follow me. He used it multiple times throughout the gospel with different kinds of applications. I want to close with one of the major ones uh, this morning. So as we've been walking through this series, follow me, what I wanted that to mean to you, our working definition is to be a follower of Jesus, is to make a lifelong commitment to learn and live out his teachings, okay? Not a one-time thing. It's a lifelong commitment. Good times, bad times. Revelation is free and flowing. It seems like the heavens are, are silent. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter. We want to we wanna be consistent in our hunger for Jesus throughout the course of our life. In previous weeks, and if you've missed any of these, they're on our YouTube channel. They're on our Facebook page. They're on our uh, uh, podcast on iTunes. You can catch up. But I want to follow, I want to mention what we've talked about previously because we're going to kind of follow up with this and end with this as we take communion. So follow me <clears throat> begins with an initial life-changing encounter with Jesus. Follow me means following Jesus' example of being baptized in water. And we had a great baptism at the end of that service. Follow me. With regular times of personal worship, scripture reading, and prayer. And every one of these messages, I talked about how Jesus modeled these things and, and taught about these things. Follow me by obeying and trusting God's direction and plan for our lives. So once you become a follower of Jesus, he may reorder your life a little bit. Things may look a little differently uh, for you in your life. You may have a different plan. Follow me by acknowledging and overcoming sinful behavior and by striving for actions and attitudes that are like Christ. So Jesus points out evil, but he just doesn't point it out. He helps us to overcome, cleanses us so that we can be more like Christ. Uh, Follow me, being generous to the church, excuse me, the needs of others, and missionary works around the world. Follow me with acts of faith. God wants to use believers in unusual situations to do supernatural and miraculous things. Follow me by honoring and participating in the Sabbath with a local fellowship of believers. Follow me. Believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and allowed the continued work of the Spirit in their life. And if you missed last Sunday, man, that altar time, it was powerful. God met with us. So, 
this morning, my last two follow me's are follow me. The first one, by personally sharing your faith and the message of God's love and grace with others. Follow me by personally sharing your faith and the message of God's love and grace with others. So I like to watch or read people's different kind of life mottos. People come up with founding principles for their life that they like to make kind of a personal statement, a belief, purpose, uh, uh, those kind of things. So I, I, like to, I like to read those, and here's a, a few that kind of got my attention, all right? This too will pass. It might pass like a kidney stone, but it will pass, all right? Not really a person with a gift of encouragement, you know, so I don't, I don't know where they got that one. Um, when life gives you lemons, squirt someone else in the eye. Not really a person that has the full revelation of compassion and forgiveness. Um, life is not a fairy tale. If you lose your shoe at midnight, you're probably drunk, okay? I'll just let you process that one. Don't be superstitious. Just be a little stitious. That is from the philosopher, American philosopher Michael Scott. Okay? I like these. Be kind. <clears throat> you never know the battles that others are fighting. That's great. A ship at harbor is safe, but that's not what ships are for. That's a good one as well. I want to read you one that I think Jesus, it was Jesus' personal kind of life motto, kind of his uh, personal statement of belief. It comes out of Luke 19. It says, the Son of Man came to seek and save that who was lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that who was lost. So it wasn't just kind of a purpose statement, but this was something that Jesus put into action, especially the seeking part. He seeks out people to tell them about his, his love. So we see Jesus with, with people who are very obvious. People type A personalities. Uh, Peter, James, and John. We saw the interaction with them. We saw it on, on video. He called them to be Fishers of men. We see he sees the obvious and he sees the hidden as well. When he came across Nathaniel, Nathaniel said, Man, how do you even know about me? Jesus said, When I walked by the other day, you were standing by a tree and I noticed you. He sees the hidden, he sees the obvious, and he sees the hidden because part of his mission is to seek and to save. He's looking for people in difficult situations. I always loved Jesus' choice of dinner companions. You know, one night Jesus was like, <clears throat> I would like to eat with wealthy people and also criminals as well, okay? That would be a unique uh, dining experience. Matthew 9, it says Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house with many tax collectors and sinners. He was with the rich, you know, because he seeks them out. Just because you have money doesn't mean that you're happy. Just because you've got a, a, a nice 401k, your retirement, you know, retirement funds are sufficient, you, you're, you're doing well financially, doesn't mean that you're happy inside the core of your heart. So he dined with the rich. He also, 
he also, this, when I read this, it kind of makes me chuckle because he, I, one night Jesus is going, where, where can I eat dinner? Let me find someone that has an infectious, contagious uh, skin disease that oozes pus throughout the meal. It says that he went to Simon the leper's house for dinner. I would not be going there for dinner. I might drop off dinner at the doorstep, but I'm not there. But we even see, look at this. He says, while he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. He didn't just eat. He stayed. He reclined. He's there for the rich, and he's there for the outcast as well. Parts of society that people don't want anything to do with because his life motto is he comes to seek and to save those who are lost. He's looking for those who are in obscure and difficult places. He touched a high government official, Pilate, who had questions about his own faith. He also touched a lowly Roman centurion at the end of the crucifixion. And that guy looked up at the cross and he said, surely he is the son of God. He comes to seek and to save. He went out of his way one day, walked to a very dangerous part of Samaria because there was a woman that was broken that needed to hear the message of the gospel. And we know her as the woman of the well. So he starts this interaction with her. She doesn't have any common beliefs, you know, uh, common religious beliefs, but it did not matter. He goes out of his way to find this woman that is broken broken because he comes to seek and to save those that were lost. He also found another woman who was in trouble. She was about to be stoned for adultery and it didn't matter to him because he comes to seek and look and find people who are in difficult situations and tell them about the message of the gospel. <clears throat> he comes to seek and to save. He's looking for people who are obvious, but also who are hidden. He's looking for people that have it all together, because just because you have it all together doesn't mean your life is happy. You will never, never, never be happy until you know Jesus. I don't care what your bank statement says. All right? He comes, he comes to do that, but also he takes that message now, and he commits it to us. That responsibility to seek and to save, to give the message of the gospel is now given to you and us, to you and I, to find the obvious, those that have great spiritual needs, and also those who are hidden, that society has no, you know, no, no value, has placed no value upon, or that need the gospel. He says, go into all the world. That's to me and you. And tell the good news. He said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. So being a follower of Jesus, we look for opportunities to share with others what Christ has done for us. Now, everyone agrees we should do this, right? Big amen, right? All right. But there are all kinds of reasons why we don't feel necessarily comfortable doing it. Well... I don't know what to say. I, d I don't know what to say. I don't know where to start, which is always kind of funny because most people, they will talk about any topic whether they know anything about it or not. You know, social media and TikTok has made us experts on everything. 
all right? But, but sometimes when it comes to this, we're, we're so intimidated, we don't, we don't say anything. I don't know where to start. I wouldn't know, I wouldn't know what to say. Or I don't know enough about the Bible. What if, what if somebody asks me a question and I don't, and I don't know the answer? My life's not perfect. Who am I to tell someone else, you know, about, about the Lord? I'm shy. I'm introverted. That's not, you know, I don't, I, I you, you know, some of you, you don't like any kind of public presentation at all. Work, school, you know, it's just part of your, you know, kind of your personality. So we all have understandable reasons why we might be a little hesitant and it's maybe a little out of the norm today to do that. But I want you to remember this. <clears throat> George Barna did a study about sharing your faith, and he, and he asked people, what are you thinking or feeling about your life? 36% said, I, have an, I experience a general sense of emptiness. They're just they're empty on the inside. They're, they're looking. They're, they're searching. I have unanswered spiritual questions. I'm seeking something better. Some of them, there's a dissatisfaction in their heart, and they are open to, to hearing uh, something else. I'm increasingly isolated. Very important. People are connected in social media, but they are not connected socially. People are lonely, even though they've got lots of followers and friends and likes. People are carrying deep wounds, family breakdown, sexual exploitation, fear, shallow social or online relationships. So listen, you may go, man, I don't feel comfortable doing that. Man, I, you know, I, I don't know a lot about the Bible. I, don't, I wouldn't know what to say, but I'm just telling you this morning that, that what you may not realize is there's great need out there. People are more open to the gospel right now. They're more receptive to someone that will say something to them and, and challenge them. So yes, we have kind of our natural kind of personality limitations or I don't know enough about the Bible, but I'm telling you, I don't think we've ever lived, lived at a time where there's more receptivity and openness to people hearing about faith in Jesus. I don't, I don't think it is. An imperfect witness, given you this before, is better than nothing at all. An imperfect witness is better than nothing at all. Let me just remind you of something. I don't know if this is tweet worthy or not, but you can't screw this up, all right? You cannot screw this up when you talk. There's nobody that's going to listen to what you say about the Lord and then go, you know what? I was really considering Jesus, but after hearing you, I think I'm headed toward Mormonism, okay? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen, all right? You can't screw this up. Let me remind you, when you have that opportunity, then God has set up a divine appointment for you. You have God's word that's in your heart. You've got God's spirit that's orchestrating this moment. I say open your mouth to the best of your ability. You share what God has done in your life. All right? Listen, partial light is better than complete darkness. So I may not be the best. I may not have every answer. I may not, you know, I, I may not know a, a, a whole lot about the Bible, but partial light is better than complete darkness. So in sharing your faith, just a few things to remember. Number one, be a friend. 
Just start there. Take the pressure off of yourself. You're not a preacher. You don't have to be a theologian. Just be a good friend to people. That's a huge part of just of, of sharing your faith. You can't influence those who you are not in relationship with. So be the best friend that you can. All right? I referenced the, the dinner that Jesus was at with the tax collectors and the sinners. What's funny, at the end of that interaction, there was no altar call. There was no one calling people to faith. Jesus didn't go follow me. You know what he did? He's had dinner. He's had dinner. And I have a feeling that Jesus was fun. I don't think he said, can I have your attention? Can we start reading through Leviticus line by line? I, mean, I, just, I just don't think that was, I just don't think that was Jesus. But you know what? He took advantage of the moment just to make personal connections. I want to remind you of something. There's a light that shines out of your life. There's a presence of God that is upon you. And you don't always have to say things. Sometimes people know what you represent. And God's spirit works on your behalf. But in spite of even saying a word. All right? Listen. Sometimes we live so far from evil and sin. We're so afraid of these moments. We live so far that no one can ever see the light that comes out of our heart. So he's, he's, there, he's there eating. You know, he's there uh, having relationships and having fun with them. So, so just keep that. Be, be a good friend. Just be a good friend. And I want to say, too, you are going to get opportunities through your friendship to, to plant seeds. So be there with their celebrations when they have babies, when they graduate, they get married. Be the good friends. Celebrate. Be there in their lowest moments when there's sickness or you go to the hospital and visit or you go to a funeral home or whatever. You just be that friend. I'm just telling you, if you're a, a, the best friend that you can, opportunities will surface just because of your friendship. Something else. Don't forget to pray. For your family and friends, okay? Don't forget to pray. If you're, I'm shy. I'm introverted. You know what? Prayer, prayer is, a, is, a, is a good way of, of, uh, of touching people's lives. Don't underestimate the power of intercessory prayer. Listen, sometimes we see a spiritual need in other people's lives before they see it or even acknowledge it, okay? And maybe you've had... Every talk, every conversation, sometimes you've, you've got a little, it's got a little tense. And sometimes it's got a little vocal and you just feel like you need to back off, okay? Then don't give up. You start to pray. Keep, keep, keep praying. When you pray, ask the Holy Spirit to continue the work and the life of someone that would, that would bring them to Christ. And I want to tell you, you don't have to pray that prayer very hard, Okay. There's no one that's got more invested in the message of, of, of seeking and saving than, than Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So they can work on their, work on their heart and that, that individual, you know, God starts dealing with them. That's why sometimes when you start praying for people, strange things happen in their lives. Okay. Because God's working in advance. God's shaking some things. God's shaking some things up. So just keep praying. But also, when you're praying for people as well, if they're going through like a tough time, you can go 
hey, uh, can I pray for you? You know, can I pray for you? Or would you like me to pray for you? Or you may have the opportunity like, hey, can I pray for you like, like right now? Can I just, can I pray for you? Or you could say something like, can I get my church to pray for you? Those are kind of good ways that we can plant seeds of prayer as we are, as we're praying ourselves. but plant seeds. Hey man, we believe God is, God has got an answer. And in the last, I mean, the, I, I've done series on this, but I just gave you three this morning about sharing your faith. And that would be share your story, share your story. You know, it's hard to refute, you know, the belief of someone who is sharing a firsthand experience about something that God has done in their life. Most people will listen to you and they will, they will believe you, okay? Because your life story is unbelievable. It's so unique. I can look across this, this congregation this morning. Almost everybody's story has, you know, it's unique. It has some different twists and turn in it. And, and because of the uniqueness of your life story, it has the potential to impact people in, in different ways. So, so sharing your faith story is important. It's very important. You know why? Because not everybody's coming to church. Not everybody's coming to church. If the only gospel presentation given was on Sunday morning, you know, you realize there's a gaping hole of spiritual need out there. So there's some people that will never come in this door. That's why the followers of Jesus need to feel confident and empowered and go speak because you may be the only gospel that they ever hear. You may be the only gospel that they're ever here. I want to say too, and I just want to mention this, Easter is one of those unusual times that people consider coming to church, okay? I, get, I talked about those invitation cards that are in the foyer. We call it who's your one, okay? Who's your one? Who's the one person that, you're, that you are inviting? Look, we got Daryl Strawberry coming up. In a few weeks, we brought him in for a, a, a different reason. It gives us a, a different kind of person to, to kind of to get into church and Easter. Some people will not come. Some people will if they're invited. Some people will if they're invited. All right. So when I was, I, I got saved my junior year in high school. It was me and some friends of mine. We were at different churches. We didn't really get saved together, but we, you know, came, kind of some guys that I ran with, we all came to the Lord about, about the same time. If you would know the name Todd Smith of the North Georgia Revival, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Todd and I were best friends in high school. We got saved at the same time, you know, like, and, and we just saw God start doing something in our class. But, you know, the first summer that we were saved, we were we were just like Lord, what what do you want us to do? Like what? How can we? How can you use us? So we decided that we would go. There was be four of us, Todd included, and we would go to downtown Birmingham, and we would witness. Okay, now look, we don't know anything. No, we don't know anything. Number one, we didn't know anything. Not just about God, we didn't know anything about anything. I was failing at that point. I was barely hanging on in high school. So I had a lot, you know, going against me. So we just decided on every Thursday we would go downtown 
and that we would witness. And we went to the Christian bookstore. We took all of our money, and we bought gospel tracts that would just explain, you know, Romans Road, those kind of things. We bought as many as that we could get. We would drive downtown. None of us had been a Christian over a year, you know. But let me tell you, we just had this brokenness for, you know, wanting people to know God had done something in our heart, and we wanted people to know as well, you know, we didn't we didn't check in with the church. They didn't know we were going. It wasn't a church outreach. We didn't know. We didn't think to even call the church. We just just did it. We'd go downtown. We would. There's an area of Birmingham. Lots of business people, especially at lunch. So from twelve to one, we would get on the four corners, and we would pass out tracks. And let me tell you, it was a great experience. You know, some, some of the nicest people in the world, some of the nastiest people in the world, some of the most, you know, cruel comments. I just want to say, and this is my experience, African Americans are some of the most friendly people in the entire world. Okay. White people, they all need Jesus. They are ridiculous. Okay. I mean, if I, if we had a cruel word, it came from a white person, that's for sure. But we, we would do that like every Thursday, every Thursday. And people, sometimes people would ask us questions. Like I didn't know, I didn't know answers. People would come back. Hey, can you pray for me? Sure. Like you can't, you can't have anybody that was less experienced out there, you know, than, than those four guys. And we did it week after week. We did it our junior year. We did it for four weeks during the summer of our senior year. And, and look, tracks are a low percentage, you know, uh, uh, passing, you know, uh, response for the gospel. But we just didn't want to sit around the whole summer. And one, one Thursday, I mean, we were passing our tracks out. And look, we were getting, the, the further we got in the summer, the less and less money that we had, you know. So the track number would, would go down. But we were walking, we were walking back to our car. Um, and, a, and a guy, he's sitting in the gutter. He's sitting on the road, sitting, leaning up against the gutter. And he's about, you know, probably a half block from our car. And he's just leaning back and he's crying. He's crying. So, I mean, we go over there. I sit next to him. Sir, you know, can I, my name's Brian. Can I help you in any way? And man, he's just broken. Okay, he is crying. He's lost his home. He's lost his job. I mean, he's crying. It's the first time that I ever experienced the aroma of vodka and Doritos, okay? All mixed together. I mean, when I, I was like, what in the world? And I thought, I'm about to vomit. I'm going to throw up. But I felt like if I vomited, it would ruin the moment that God was unfolding, you know, before us. So, I mean, he's crying, he's homeless, he's an alcoholic. And I just remember these four guys, you know, we got our arm around him. You know, I didn't have an answer for all of his life issues. I didn't have an answer. I just remember praying for that guy and loving that guy. The Lord let me see through that gross, you know, shirt that he had and food caked in his beard and all of that. The Lord, you know, really just let me see that guy like he sees him. <laughs> and so I want to just tell you something, okay? There are all kinds of reasons why, you know, like I don't feel comfortable. I don't know what to say, but, but I'm just telling you, I'm just telling you, there is openness out there today. People are hungry. You may, you know, 
there, there may be more reception that you, you know, or people more open and to receive what you're going to say in a greater, you know, in a greater way. But I want to tell you, man, you go, an imperfect witness is better than nothing at all. Partial light is better than complete darkness. Do what you know to do with the opportunity that God has given you. And if it's an imperfect, you know, then get better when you drive home. That's what we would do. We would kind of go, all right, next time we hear this question, we're going to do this. But I want to go. We don't live in a time really where the people of God can offer an excuse when it comes to sharing our faith. There's too much at stake, too much going on in the world, too close to the return of Jesus. You just do what you know to do. Say what you know to say. If you can't answer every question, then that's, that's perfectly fine. You fulfilled the, 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 uh, the divine destiny that God's given for you at that particular moment. All right? Next, follow me, last. Showing God's love to others through sacrifice, generosity, and servanthood. Showing God's love to others through sacrifice, generosity, servanthood, and hospitality. John 13 takes us to the last time that all of the disciples were together in in one group. It's the Last Supper, okay? And Jesus does something unusual. It says the evening meal was in progress, so he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, and he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Look at this. I have set an example that you should do as I have done for you. Okay, so it's the Passover meal. When people came into your home in that particular time, it was not uncommon to offer some kind of basin or water for them to wash their feet. Now, they've been wearing sandals. You know, have you ever worn sandals all day? Know what I'm talking about? All right, they're wearing, that's all they've got. It's hot, but they're walking around in dirt. You know, it's dusty. Can you imagine what that's like? Can you imagine? So, you know, they would, they would offer a basin and water. Another, another reason that they did that is because when they ate, they would sit on their feet and they would recline back and their feet would be close to the food. Hey, let me tell you, that'd be enough for me right there. I'd be, I would be eating outside at every meal. They, they would think I'm antisocial. You got your dirty feet close to my grapes, I'm out of here. So they, they would wash There were were several reasons why they would do that. But Jesus did something unusual is is that he washed their dirty, grimy, sweaty feet. All right? He did it. I I have a reason why I think he did it. Just like the day before, there were two of his disciples were arguing who should sit on the left and who should sit on the right. And it got a little heated. And I feel like Jesus kind of needed to 
set this straight because following Jesus and serving Jesus is not about climbing the spiritual ladder of prominence, but it is humbling yourself and being used in different situations, whether we are comfortable with it or uncomfortable with it. So in the midst of that argument, Jesus said, you know what? It's not about where you sit. It's about how you kneel and serve. So he assumes the role of servant. Sometimes you would, you would wash your own feet. If they had any kind of money, they would pay the servant to wash the feet. So here's Jesus taking the lowest position that he, that he could, and, and he, he assumes the role of the servant. And I want to remind you what he says when he gets through. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set an example that you should do as I have done to you. So this just isn't a free foot washing here. This is an example so that you will see there's no one lower in this room than myself, but I am, I am serving now. You go do likewise. And to those that were arguing about where they should sit in heaven, it was probably, uh, it was probably punctured. Servanthood today in today's world is affected, you know, we have a different culture now when it comes to servanthood. It's, it's affected by the thought, I'll pay to have it done. I'll pay to have it done, okay? People pay. We, we hire things out, you know, and, and I want to say some people may go, well, I pay my tithes so that that work can be done. And I want to say, I, I agree. Thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Your, your finances empower our team and others to go, to go meet needs and to do servanthood ministries. But I want to say, too, that that doesn't absolve you from servanthood. All right? You can't buy your way out of that. All right? So thank you, but, but, but still there are opportunities to serve. Or I'm too busy. I'm too busy. I'm too busy. All right? Listen, everyone that serves here is busy. All right? There's no one that's sitting around going, you know, I got five free hours. I think I'll find somewhere in the church to serve. It just doesn't happen. People are, are busy. You know, they've got commitments, but they find time. You got to make that a priority. There's never going to be an open amount of time, you know, for you. You just got to go, you know what? I need to get my hand on something and serve. Or we serve based on the appreciation or affirmations of others, Okay. The acknowledgement of others. When Jesus was washing their feet, there's two people that stand out to me as he washed their feet. Number one was Peter, who would not even make it another five or six hours before he denied. But Jesus knew what he'd do. He washed his feet. There was nothing in return that he was going to get at that moment. The other one is Judas. Just in a few hours, in a few hours, these weren't... This is not a, a person that would pat Jesus on the back. This would be the ultimate rejection. But yet Jesus washed and served. So I want to say, if no one ever knows, if you don't ever get in a pat on the back or acknowledgement, those things are nice, do it anyway. Because you're doing it for Jesus anyway. He sees. He, he sees. So look 
for opportunities to serve and occasions to be kind and hospitable. Listen, when we talk to people, we don't know, you know when we're concerned about people, you know, their spiritual life, we don't always get to start with gospel conversations, but we can plant seeds with good deeds because we serve. And because we serve, maybe one day the door will open that will give us the opportunity and the right to share our, share our faith story with them. They might debate your theology. They might question your beliefs. But everyone's appreciative of a kind act. And they'll go, you know what? That was nice. Especially, especially when, it's, when it's random. So servanthood is a way to share your faith in a way that wins the heart before it challenges the mind. We serve with no strings attached. We live in a world that is beat down, paranoid, suspicious, under stress, ripped off, uh, full of trouble. And people are open to acts of kindness. Just want, just, you know, uh, just want to know that someone cares and does something nice to them. You've heard us in the last few months mention Hope Community. Hope Community is a, a Housing area about three miles from here. It's an, a family emergency shelter. It's where the state puts people in Leon County, you know, families especially before they, you know, before they have to break them up. They can kind of keep them together. And it's a, we feel like that every kind of issue that that societies face homelessness and trafficking and you know. Uh, Foster families, adoptions, you know, uh, financial issues, homelessness, hunger to us, they all flow through that particular place, all right? And we want to be there. Where do you think Jesus would be? Where do you think Jesus would be? So Street Hope, they go over there and they feed and they love. And on the same night, doesn't cost anything, it's free. We pay, we pay for that. On the same night, we do a family fun night. We do crafts. We do things with kids and families. You know, tonight, uh, one of the uh, small groups is going to go over there, do a craft, kind of hang out, kind of hang out with them because you know what? We want people to know that we care. And when we do that, then maybe there's an opportunity later to really kind of share our faith and kind of share, share our story. I want to I just take a moment. I want to give you some opportunities that, that we have here at the church for servanthood. We always have gaps. We always have places that, that need help. And if you've been praying, Lord, you know, what, where's my place? Where, where can I serve? I just want to take a few moments and I want to tell you about these. First of all, it's our community outreach ministry. Community outreach is a ministry that reaches hurting and broken in our community with the love of Christ. There are serving opportunities through human trafficking. Now, let me say that. Let me say this. Let me redefine that. Human trafficking to us here is not someone forced in a truck somewhere. Human trafficking here is a woman who has had to make a decision to prostitute herself because she has no money for her family or there's an addiction issue. If there's somebody like that here, we want to do what we can to help. Or there are women that are considering making that awful choice because of money and, and addiction. So we want to we wanna be there. We want to be there uh, in that space. Hope Community, it's, I've already mentioned that. Living Free, 
some addiction recovery, you know, people with life-controlling issues, ministry that we're trying to, to get ramped back up, women's pregnancy center, dealing with those with unplanned pregnancy. There are open opportunities, opening opportunities for us, van ministry, because once all this gets going, you know, sometimes people want to go to church. We've already heard that. Hey, is there, is there a way that we can get a ride to church? So that's, there there. Opportunities to serve in those areas. There's a booth out in the foyer. Go see Kelsey. She'll tell you about that. Street Hope, uh, uh, ministry to the homeless and, and feeding, uh, feeding the homeless. First Monday of the month, they're at Hope Community. All right, they're, they're taking a meal, 4.45 to 5.45 at Hope Community. Third Monday of the month, they cook a meal. They take it down to Lake Ella, and they serve the homeless from 5.30 to 6.30. Man, we could use people that can help cook, help transport food, or be on the other team, on the other side, that can just love people and be involved with people and connect with people. GC Kids, loving kids and wanting to help build a spiritual foundation in their life, serving opportunities. They need leaders for the one- and two-year-old toddler class on Sunday morning. It's not every Sunday. It's rotating, you know, but they need leaders for that class. They need uh, leaders for GC Boys uh, on, on Wednesday night, maybe a, a Royal Ranger or, or a group or, or, or Boy Scouts, something like that it was impactful to you. Here's an opportunity for you to give back. If you're a, a man, they need adult leaders for their elementary large group on Sundays at the time that we're meeting now. That's rotating as well. If, that, if that's, you know, kind of on your heart, step in and do that. Spanish ministry, first and third Friday of each month at 8, at 8 p.m. Uh, they're, they're looking for uh, child care, people to kind of, you know, help with that. Translating because it's a bilingual service and worship, putting together a worship team. Guest services meets on Sunday morning. Door greeters, ushers, cafe. If you work in the cafe, you get the donuts when they're hot, okay? There's an advantage to this. If you're not a morning person, let me find something else for you. Let me say that. But it's an opportunity when people come on the, the campus to be the first smile, handshake, word that's spoken. People that are, you know, uh, hungry, people that are hurting, down. You never know what walks through the door. This is a great time of ministry, and it's flexible. You don't, you don't necessarily serve every week. Worship and production, serving opportunities, live stream in the back, audio, video, and cameras. Back, if we call it front of the house, sanctuary lighting, sound, video switch that goes up on the screen here. Musicians, vocalists, if you're technologically, you know, uh, you know, got, got some skill there, we'd love to talk to you about that. Uh, musician, vocalist, we'd love to talk to you about that. GC Youth. Maybe your youth group, you know, at, in a certain time in your life, maybe it was impactful to you and you want to give back. They're looking for small group leaders and also sound, lighting, production, those kind of things to help them on Wednesday night. GC Families, outreach to our local foster care community. So we have some foster care trainings that we host here at the church. Uh, people come in from different organizations. The organization brings them in and we provide their meal. Uh, we could use some help with child care just for a few hours if you could do that. And then also a new area that we're uh, stepping into is that when, a, especially like in Leon County in this area, when there is a foster care placement, we are going to be the, the church that buys the first, you know, age-appropriate bag, you know, whatever, or supplies, 
and take it to that family. So we need people who could swing by Target, pick it up, drop it off with that new foster family, encourage them, pray with them. We want to be in that space the best that, that, uh, that we can. Uh, African Fellowship, first and third Friday of the month, 7 p.m. They're looking for musicians, sound, lights, uh, video, child care. There's all kinds of booths out there, okay? So I want to say, don't just have a desire in your heart. Go commit to that. Go, go, go commit to that. Everybody's busy. Everybody's busy. Everybody's got things going on. But go, go avail yourself. Sign up. Go, you know, I want more information. I want to hear, I want to hear about this. Worship team, you can come. Last part. Last follow me that I want to mention. Jesus calmed the storm, delivered a man that was demon-possessed, healed a woman that was sick, gave the disciples power, fed the 5,000. Lots of crowds were starting to, you know, starting to uh, accumulate. And he, he gives them this little sermon, if you want to, Know me better if you want to follow me. Here's how you can do it. And he said to them, Luke 9, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. What, is, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world, let, yet lose or forfeit their very self. Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes into his glory of the Father and of the holy angels. All right? I'm sure they're going, whoa. Where's that other sermon about the sparrow and the pressing down, shaking together and running over, moving mountains? Where's that, you know, where's that message? Okay? Because sometimes the follower of Jesus needs to realize that your service to the Lord just doesn't all revolve around you. It's about service to him. And Jesus is reminding them, hey, this is not, you know, this is not just a spiritual vacation here. This is a commitment to follow Jesus. And there are wonderful times and there are also trying times. So he lays out three things. Deny yourself. Deny yourself. <laughs> it's a word that is the opposite of our culture today. The word we use is enrich. Enrich ourselves. What, what's good for me? What fits? Uh, you know, how, how, how do I benefit? He said, there's a, there's a time in this walk of faith that you got to deny yourself. You got to sacrifice. You got to say no to some things. He said, I'm just telling you that up front. Deny yourself. Take up your cross daily. It's not a term that really resonates with us as much but it, today, but it did back then. Because they were, it was not uncommon to see a criminal carrying their cross to the place of execution. And above that crossbar would be the crime that they committed. And that individual was identified, that cross was identified with the crime that they committed. So he's using a little twist on that. And he says, you got to take up your cross daily. You got to identify, you know, yourself with me consistently as a follower of Jesus. You got to carry your cross. 
Sometimes that will bring the affirmation of people. Sometimes it will bring scorn, rejection, and jokes. But he said, you got to carry your cross. And he said, I want you to follow me. Live close to me. I mentioned being a follower of Jesus is a lifelong commitment. It's not good days, bad days, good seasons, bad seasons. I'm going to serve you whatever comes to learn and live out his teachings. When he gets through with those things, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. It's a surprising response. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, he said, does this offend you? Verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. They were there at the feeding of the 5,000 when there was all kinds of food. They were there at the healing. They were there at the miracles. But the moment that he says that there's, there's some sacrifice and denial and identification with Christ, some of them walked away. From this time, many disciples turned back and no longer followed him. I guess he was a little surprised because he looks at his disciples and he says, you don't want to leave too do you? So this reminds us, you know, it comes against this, I'll serve Jesus on my terms when it fits, when I can plug it in. I'll keep it on the peripheral of my life. He's up on the shelf. I'll grab him when I need him. But outside of that, I'm making my own, living my, my own way. This is, we're not talking about that. That's not true discipleship. That's not true discipleship there. All right. I'm talking about the death of ourself in submission of our life to Christ as a follower of Him. And if we do that, if we follow that call to follow Him with denial and identification and following Him, then there's a, an open invitation to know Him personally and intimately and, and how have, have, have Him grab your hand when you walk through great joys and through great sorrows. But there may be many here that think the cost is too great. And the sacrifice is too great. And that's fine. We see that all the time. People that believe in the cross, they believe in salvation, but the, living the life as a follower of Jesus is just not something they're going to do. They don't have any space for it. So they just go live their own life. All right? That's not what he said to do. So today, we're going to close the series. And we're going to take communion in just a moment. All right? We're going to be mindful of his death and his resurrection, but also, but also, we're going to, at the end of this series, we want to commit ourselves as followers of Jesus, disciples of Jesus. Denial, Lord, we'll do it. Identify, we'll do it. We'll follow close. We want to do that. We want to do that. Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, 
check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.